Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Well, hello everyone. It's great to be with you today. My name is Dave. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Connect Church, and thank you for taking time to join us. Today is Father's Day, and so we just want to honor uh, our dads. I do realize this is a day of mixed emotions. Uh, for many people, and especially as you watch with us, we all find ourselves in different situations. For some, this might be a joyous day, a moment to be with Dad and, and to celebrate Him. Uh, for others, it could be a painful day. Uh, maybe you're not able to have the relationship with your dad that you had hoped to have. Others, maybe you're grieving the loss um, of your dad from this earth. And some might be celebrating the joy of being a new dad. Um, so I know we find ourselves in different places, but regardless of that, let's just remember today that we're part of the body of Christ. And as a body of Christ, we love one another, we care for one another, we honor one another. Uh, but most importantly, God loves us. And uh, He's better than any earthly father, even the best earthly father. He's far better than that. Um, and so we could celebrate our Heavenly Father as well uh, today. Uh, but we do thank God for the biological and spiritual fathers that have invested in us. And so dads, we thank you. We're praying for God to bless you and continue uh, to give you wisdom uh, as you pour into our lives and disciple us. For our message today, uh, we're in a third, the third part of our Made to Worship series. Uh, Pastor Frank shared with us in week one about our words and our wisdom, our words and our actions, and how all that is a part of our worship. Uh, Nadine did a great job last week. We're definitely looking forward to hearing more from her in the future as she shared with us about what it looks like to honor God with our vocal praise and musical praise and just the challenge of giving God glory uh, in every circumstance uh, that we can. But today I would like to share with you about how service can be worship. And I say can be because not all service is necessarily worship. I don't know if you've ever tried to serve anyone and it went horribly wrong. Uh, I know that I've done that many times and you kind of get left saying this phrase at the end, I thought I was doing a good thing. And so since it's Father's Day, uh, I'll tell you a story about a time that I tried to serve my dad and it didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to. One of my normal uh, routines and chores around the house was to cut the grass. And so I had been doing this for a few years as a teenager. and. You know, sometimes if you cut the grass after it rains, it kind of gets clumpy and it sticks underneath the mower and the blade doesn't cut well and it's a whole disaster. And so uh, I think this might have been the first or second time that that had happened to me and uh, my dad, I don't believe, was home that day. And so I figured, well, I'm just going to clean underneath this lawnmower. I'll get it really good and then kind of try to finish up cutting the grass. I had still a little more to go. And I didn't know much about lawnmowers or anything about, about that. And so I, I got a screwdriver uh, to kind of scrape underneath the lawnmower. And I figured I'll just hold the lawnmower up and scrape as best I can. And then from a screwdriver, I think I ended up getting a couple other things. And it wasn't going well. So I took the lawnmower, this gasoline lawnmower, and I figured I'll just flip it upside down and clean it really good. Little did I know that that type of lawnmower was not good to flip it upside down. It was going to work well afterwards. And so after I cleaned it to what I thought was perfection, thinking that I was the best clip, uh, lawnmower grass clipping cleaner person ever, uh, I flip it back over. And I try to start it up so I could finish cutting the grass. And lo and behold, it doesn't start. I think it was around this time that my dad came home. And I realized the error of my ways. And I said, oh, no, I was trying to do something good for my dad. But I think I just made it that he's going to have to buy a brand new lawnmower. Uh, fortunately, he was able to get it working and got it going. But many times we could serve and it might not always work out the way uh, that we wanted it to do. But we have all these different motivations for serving, right? In that moment, I wanted to help my dad. I, I wanted him to be happy that I had done something uh, of that way. 
And, and we look in other times we serve, there's different motivations. We can serve sometimes for the rewards. Maybe in marriage we think like, oh, if I serve my spouse, then they're going to let me buy that thing that I want that's totally out of our budget. Or, or, or maybe for kids we think, well, if I serve and honor my parents, then they'll let me go out without any restrictions and won't tell me what time I have to be home or anything uh, of, of that nature. We could also serve out of a motivation to get honor and attention for ourselves. We want people to recognize us. So we could kind of think of maybe the student in school who, who kind of helps the teacher just so they themselves will be celebrated by that teacher. Or, or the person who loves to post things on social media about what they've done for other people just so people can comment and tell them how awesome uh, they are, right? And so, so we think our motivations through, we could also even think of motivations that may appear spiritual on the outside, but not really be. We can say, well, I'm serving because it's what I'm supposed to do as a disciple of Jesus, and we're kind of just checking off this box of service. People might serve for power, control, and there's probably many other motivations. And so my question for you today is, what makes service worship? And I, I don't know that's necessarily about the results, whether the lawnmower looks good or doesn't look good, but I think it really has to do with the motivation. And we can take it even a step further. What makes service meaningful? I don't know if you've ever felt the emptiness of service before. I know I have. You serve someone, it works great. You get the applause, you get the rewards, the control, the celebration, whatever. And then after a while, it's like, oh, that really didn't satisfy the way I thought it was. Like, I feel kind of empty from this. But I believe that when we truly worship through our service and we have the right motivations, there's also a piece of fulfillment that the Lord gives us in that moment that only he can give. And so let's take a few minutes to explore this from a parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 17. And in a few short verses, Jesus says something that seems pretty harsh on the surface level. But as we explore and kind of dig into it, we see that Jesus is inviting us into a better way to worship, a better way to serve. And so let's read together Luke 17, 7 to 10. It says, Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Let's just get the context of this parable. In verse 1 of this same chapter, it starts out saying that Jesus was talking to his disciples. So this was not to the crowds. Uh, this was to the people that were following him and, and, and believed in him. And in the passage just before ours, Jesus is talking about having the ability to forgive others when they sin against us. And the disciples give this incredible reply. They say, Lord, increase our faith. We can't do this without more belief in you. And then Jesus says, hey, even if you have a small amount of faith, that's good enough. With a small amount of faith, you'll do great things for God. Now, we know the disciples and we know us. The disciples, they often got puffed up about who they were. You know, Peter wanted to run the show and show how great and wise he was. Uh, they would argue from time to time about who was the greatest and who was going to be on Jesus' right and left. And so we know them. And if we're honest, we also know ourselves. It's easy for pride to creep in. I think that a lot of times this is why Scripture tells us, you know, to, to give in secret and, and, and to fast in secret and, and don't make a show out of our prayers. Because it can be easy when we do something for God to get puffed up about it. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if you got small faith, that's good enough. You'll do good things for God. But then he also sees the need to remind them, don't get puffed up about that. Remember who you really are. Don't forget that you're a servant in the kingdom. You're not the king in the kingdom. 
And it's out of that context that Jesus tells them the parable that we just read. And so what makes our service worship to God, honor to God? What makes it fulfilling and not empty? Well, there's probably three things that we can take out of this parable. There may be more, but just for our time today, just these three. Um, the first is this. Our service can't be on our own terms. So oftentimes we try to pick and choose when we'll serve, especially, you know, we want the assignments that will make us look good or bring notoriety to us or will get us something in return. You know, this last year I've been uh, substitute teaching in a few different school districts and the way it works is they have a website you can go to and you could pick your assignment ahead of time. And so usually the night before you'll find me scouring the website and, uh, and you'll overhear me saying to Megan, Megan, do you think this is a good assignment? She works in education, so I just assume she knows all the good assignments. Megan, do you think this is a good assignment? Uh, computers, middle school, that's probably going to be easy, right? And, and, and I, I think that way and I try to pick my assignment because the last thing you want is, is them to call you and tell you where you're going. And that's happened to me many times because that's how you end up in pre-K with a class of kids who are on a mission to destroy you. I love pre-K. They're awesome, but they will break you, right? That's, that's what happens. Right? And so I want to pick it ahead of time because I want to control it. And we can take the same mentality to our service as worship. God could be putting opportunities in front of us all the time. We say, no, not that one. That kind of doesn't fit my schedule today, or that one's too hard, or that won't make me uncomfortable, or I won't be able to get to do what I want during that time. And, and no, I don't want to serve my boss because that, that might be weird. But, but yet Jesus says, no, I, I'm calling you to worship me and whatever opportunity I put in front of you. And when Jesus tells this parable, he hits a wide-ranging uh, view here. He, he talks about the, the servant is out plowing and tending the sheep. That would probably be hard, physical, long hours. And then he says he comes in, and now there's the demands of the home uh, to keep up with. And so the servant doesn't get to pick the assignment, doesn't get to control the comfortability uh, of the assignment or when it happens. And I realize we're all gifted in different ways. And when we think about service, um, we might definitely think about our, our giftings. And, 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 you know, hey, I'm gifted for this or that. And, and that's important. Trust me, you do not want me leading uh, our vocal praise. It's good that we all vocal praise, but for me on a microphone, probably not going to go very well. It's good that that one's just me in the, in, in the congregation, right? And so we want to work within our giftings, but there's also going to be times that God is calling us to serve in ways that are being uncomfortable. Don't push them off just because it's not on our terms. Let's not use that as an excuse to pass by opportunities that God is putting in our way. You know, we might think about our neighbors like, oh, I don't want to serve them. They play music to 2 a.m. They're annoying. It, it, I can never, you know, I can never have a good conversation with them or, or any of those things. Let, let's not do it on our own terms. We can think about a fellow student and say, oh, that student is so prideful. They're, they're, they're always boasting about how great they are. But God is calling us to that student. God is calling us to our neighbors. God is calling us to our spouse and to our families. And so if we only serve when we're comfortable or on our own terms, then it isn't worship. It's really us having control. And so here's a dangerous prayer that we can pray. Lord, use me however you want today. However you want. And get ready, because then interruptions will come. You'll be uncomfortable. Your schedule will be disrupted. But then that will be worship. Serving others. Maybe serving through listening. Serving through helping. Serving through encouraging. And so each of us needs to ask, you know, Lord, where am I holding back? Where am I trying to do it on my terms that you're calling me to serve? And you'll be amazed at how God will fill us as we do that. That we'll find, wait, the thing that I didn't even necessarily want to do, God brought meaning and joy in. The second thing that we can learn from this parable about what makes our service worship and fulfilling is that we need to focus on His kingdom and not our own. 
In this parable, Jesus lays out what would be a ridiculous scenario in their day. The master serving the servant, right? Now, that wouldn't happen. And Jesus says, look, this servant, he comes in from the field and he continues, even though he probably had a long day already, he had other priorities, he continues to keep the focus on the master. He doesn't turn the focus to himself. And it can be easy for us sometimes to kind of check our box, so to speak, on service. We can say, well, I served on a team at church this week. That's great. We should be doing that, right? But but then we could go, I, I don't need to serve my family, my spouse, my kids. my I, I already did my job there. No, our focus must 100% all the time be on the kingdom of God. We are prone to want to build our own kingdom. You know, parents... You maybe understand this better than anyone else. I, I'm learning this, and God's constantly challenging me, and I'm trying to grow in this area. Because when you have kids, all your priorities begin to change, especially sleep. My children do not wish to prioritize sleep. I don't know why. But even beyond that, they have their own plans of what they want to do and when they want to do it. I read an interesting quote once. It said, listen earnestly to anything your children want to tell you, no matter what. If you don't listen eagerly to the little stuff when they are little, they won't tell you the big stuff when they are big. Because to them, all of it has always been big stuff. And many times, our children want our attention when we're tired, or when the grass needs to be cut, or when we should be sleeping. In fact, I'm at a point with my son, David. He tells me what I want. He doesn't, he doesn't even ask anymore. It used, to be, it used to be, Dada, do you want to play baseball? Now he states as a fact. He goes, you want to play baseball, Dada? You want to play Batman? And, and these things are actually pretty fun uh, to play with that. Uh, but sometimes I do want to do something else. Sometimes I just want to sit on the couch. Sometimes I want to sleep. You might be seeing a theme there. right? But, but there's something bigger at work than what I want to do. I want David and, and Annalise and my children to become mature disciples of Jesus. And that's going to take time. A lot of that is not in my control. There's decisions they have to make. But God has given me a role to play in their life. And, 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 and that's an important thing. That's kingdom business. That needs to be more important than my business. And it's hard for that too sometimes. And really that's serving. If I won't take the time to serve my children now when they're little in these little things, then am I going to be able to have that spiritual conversation with them as they get older? Am I going to be able to have that discipleship conversation with older? And so really, how I interact with my children is a part of my worship. It's a part of my service. Lord, help me to serve my family. Dad's Father's Day, as we're talking right now. How we interact with our families, part of our worship. And it's often that I maybe miss that opportunity to worship. But if I really think about it, the fulfillment of seeing my kids serve Jesus will far outweigh the fulfillment of anything I could build in my kingdom. And that's just an example I share to you from my heart right now, from where I am as a parent. But many times we have other areas of kingdom that we're trying to build, and God's saying, no, I want you to think about my kingdom. Again, it might be in the context of our neighbors or, or family members or school friends or whoever it may be, but he's calling that to us. We'll have to put our desires in the back seat and serve our master. And is it good to know who our master is? Our master is Jesus. It's Jesus who said that he came to serve, not to be served. It's Jesus who's faithfully cared for us. And so this is hard, but Jesus is calling us to, to have the right attitude, to put his pleasure before our own pleasure, his people before ourselves, his name before our own name. And, and, and so this is a way that we can have true worship through service. And so we need to serve not just on our own terms, not just keep the focus on Jesus' kingdom rather than our own, but lastly, and I think probably most importantly, we have to adopt the position of being an unworthy, or as some translations say, an unprofitable servant. Let's read verse 10 again from Luke 17. It says, So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. 
And when we read that text, it, it might seem odd. It might seem as if we're insignificant. We don't matter. I'm an unworthy servant. Again, some translations will say unprofitable. That's not what Jesus is communing. We, we have great value uh, in, in Christ because of the image of God that's, that's upon each of us. So, so what does it mean to be an unworthy or an unprofitable servant? Certainly the servant in the parable, he, he was profitable. He, he got things done. He took care of the sheep. He took care of the home. He did it, right? He, he got things done. Well, the Greek word that we end up translating unworthy or unprofitable could literally mean nobody owes us anything. And, and we don't translate it that way because it would be weird. We, we would read, we are, nobody knows us, owes us anything servants, right? That just doesn't flow. So we, we translate it unworthy. But the idea is that we have the correct motivations. We, we will serve in any way we're asked. We'll prioritize this kingdom. And why will we do it? Because you could do those things for the wrong motivations. Why will we prioritize this kingdom? Why will we serve uh, on Jesus' terms? Because nobody owes us anything. Because Jesus has done such great things for me already that I want to honor him. Being unworthy or unprofitable is serving in a way not to earn the love of God, but because of what Jesus has done in our life, because of his death and resurrection, wanting to honor him and to love him and even to love others. Now, if you think about the text of 1 Corinthians 13, it talks a lot about what love is, patient, kind, does not brag, keeps no record of wrongs. And when we serve in that loving kind of way, that may not always get reciprocated. That's okay. If my motivation is to honor Jesus, I'm not okay if my motivation is to honor myself or to get things for my kingdom or to feel something, have other people fulfill me, I'll be in trouble. But if it's to honor Jesus, if it's nobody owes me anything, I'm just wanting to honor the Lord. I'm an unworthy servant. It won't matter what the response is. It won't matter how other people take our service. And so it would be good for us to remember just a couple things about being unworthy servants is God doesn't need our service. If we read through the scriptures, God used even a donkey at one point uh, to get his message across and to do what he needed to do. So God doesn't need me to get done what he needs to do. But yet he invites me to be a part of the process. Another thing maybe to keep in mind about being an unworthy servant is that we cannot cultivate that attitude on our own. The flesh will rise up within me and want to build my kingdom. The flesh will rise up in me and want the rewards or want the honor or all those things. And so God is the only one who can give me the desire to serve him joyfully. And one more thing for us to remember about being unworthy servants is that there's nothing I can do for God that earns me anything. And you might think, well, duh, I know that. Right? And it would be silly if we thought like Jesus was going to send us a thank you note in the mail to say, like, hey, thanks for serving, right? Um, and it's good for us to do that for one another, of course. But, but we, do, we shouldn't expect Jesus to thank us. But how often do we maybe think in our minds, God, I serve you so much. Why am I facing this? Why do I have this problem in my life? God, why do I got to go through this mess and this trial? And I'm doing everything else. I'm loving my neighbors. I'm serving in the church. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Really, that reveals that we're not an unworthy servant if we have that mentality. If I have that mentality, it reveals, I think Jesus owes me something now because I've done something for him. But Jesus' disciples won't have that. They'll rather say, Lord, I love you. I want to serve you. And so Jesus is calling us to not let rewards be our motivation. But here's an interesting thing. Jesus does bless us. He says, don't let the rewards be your motivation, but yet God does care for us. He provides our needs. Certainly when Christ returns, we'll see this play out. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 38 say this. It says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. 
like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when it comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at the table and come and will wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. The point of this parable that Jesus tells in Luke 12, not, not a parable, excuse me, the point of this direction that Jesus tells in Luke 12 was, was that, hey, you know, I'm going to return one day and you should be about my work when I return. And that's the point. We need to keep that at the forefront. But if we read through that text, we realize that, wait a second, Jesus is taking note of our service. He will honor what we have done for him. And there's other scriptures that tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. It's going to be exciting when the Lord recognizes our service. 1 Corinthians 3 kind of talks a little bit about that as well. And it's not just the future when we stand before God one day or when Christ returns. How much does God bless us right now? He does it all the time. But the point of Luke 17 is don't let your heart be drawn to the blessings. The point of Luke 17 is don't say, uh, I'm doing this as worship, but really be doing it to get stuff. Don't hold the rewards as most beautiful. Rather hold the master, Christ the King, as most beautiful. If we live for the rewards, we will be empty every single time. But if Jesus is the reward, honoring him, then we're going to be full. And here's what I love about Jesus. He lived this out. Jesus is the ultimate servant. We can recount John chapter 13, where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And again, that was unthinkable in that day. And Peter's like, no, Jesus, I don't want, I don't want that. But Jesus is showing Peter a better way. The path to greatness was not as the disciples thought about position or power, but really through service. This is our act of worship. And as we serve, we'll get to do some exciting things for God. Peter and the other disciples did. We certainly get to do some great things for God. It's awesome. But yet Jesus' act of service triumphs over all that. See, Jesus not only picked up the towel, but then shortly after that, he, he would pick up the cross. Jesus, who was sinless, Jesus, who was God, who did not need to serve, he is the master. He stepped in. He stepped in on terms that weren't great for him. He stuck to the Father's plan, even when it would be better for him to build his own kingdom. And he did it all with the motivation of loving us well. It was in that act, his death and resurrection, that the greatest servant became the suffering servant. He went to the cross, he died for our sin, he died for my sin. And the good news is the suffering servant didn't stay in the grave, but now he's the risen king. And Jesus' death and resurrection gives purpose and meaning to our entire lives. The greatest of which is the gift to be right with God. And so before we can worship God with our service, we have to trust that his act of service, the greatest act of service has saved us, what he's done on the cross. And maybe you're watching with us today and you never made that decision to trust your life to Jesus. You say, what does that mean? That's, that's very churchy sounding language. But what that really means is this. It's realizing, you know what? I have a sin problem. I, I, I have this in my life where I'm going to rebel against God. I'm going to do my own thing. But God in his infinite wisdom was willing to still serve me despite my mess. He wasn't willing to say, well, you know, you're a mess. I pushed you out. No, rather I will step into your world. I will serve you. I will die for your sin and rise again, conquering it. And so when we say we're putting our faith in Jesus, what we're really saying is I'm trusting that what he did on the cross is what I needed. It's the gift that he's given me. It's the way that he has served me. And that's where I'm putting my faith. I'm not putting in my service or my good works or my abilities, but rather his so I can be right with God. And you can do that right where you are. You could just, just pray to God and say, God, I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. I'm putting my faith in that. I push my trust in that. I'm confessing that it's all about you. And if you're doing that, no matter what platform you're watching us on today, there's a link. 
that would you click that link uh, to, to, to just indicate that you're making that choice? We want to walk with you together in community. We want to serve you uh, in that, and we'd love to join with you in that. But others that are watching with us today, maybe you have already done that. Well, the good news is that we are still responding to the gospel. We're still responding to Jesus' death and resurrection because that's what enables us to be unworthy or unprofitable servants. Jesus is the one who gives us the grace to do this. Listen to John 13. Remember, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He said this in verses 14 and 17. He says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. We are called to serve. The question is, will we delight in serving just the way Jesus delighted in serving? And so what does that look like for us? Today's Father's Day. Dads, how are we serving our families? Do we delight in it? Do we delight in even the moments of interruptions? Again, I'm preaching this to myself today. Do we realize the high calling that God has given us? Can we lay aside our kingdom for his kingdom? What would the reordering of our priorities look like if we were seeing this as what God is calling us to do and we were delighting in it? For all of us, not just dads, what does it look like? How can we serve others through worship? It might be inside the church. Join a team within the church. Uh, even if you're watching online, there's, there's, there's ways to serve. But maybe it's in our homes. Maybe it's in our communities. Maybe God is calling you to serve as a coach of a local sports team uh, for kids in the community. Maybe in school, you're really good in a subject, you could jump in and help somebody else out. Maybe that's how God's calling you to serve. Maybe it's encouraging our bosses or our coworkers or that family member we can't stand. Will we be the ones that will pray the dangerous prayer, Lord, use me however you want today, and then delight in it. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has service prepared for us. It will be worship if we come with the right motivation as unprofitable, unworthy servants. There will be times we're tired. Let us delight in serving. There will be times we're uncomfortable. Let us delight in serving. There will be times where no one will say thank you. Let us delight in serving. There will be times where it will seem to fail on the surface. Let us delight in serving. There will be times when it isn't what we want to do. Let us delight in serving. There will be times where it costs us in some way. Let us delight in serving. Let us be those unworthy servants. Let's pray together today. Lord, I just thank you so much for Lord, just the grace of what your cross, your death and resurrection represents in our life. Lord, that you were willing to serve me. And so, Lord, we ask out of that great love that you have for us, would you just change our desires? Lord, would you give us a new desire, a new motivation to delight in the service opportunities you put in front of us? And so, Lord, we pray dangerous prayers, whatever it looks like today, this week. Help us to serve you, even if it inconveniences us. Lord, help us to recognize it in those moments. And, Lord, we pray for the people that will be able to serve. Lord, that you would use that to draw them to you, to lift your name up. Lord, I pray you bless your people today. Be with them. Have your hand upon their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.